Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students and physicians in training. I'm Lakshman Swamy, an intern at the Boston Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Coming up on Radio Rounds, we speak with Dr. David Roberts, an associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, about some of the most challenging issues in medical education today. And there's this famous saying, you know, uncertainty are the waters in which we swim. That's just, that's just what we have to do. And when a patient says, Doc, what should I do? Should I, do you think I need that CAT scan? Do you think I need another CAT scan? We followed this pulmonary nodule, let's say, for the last six months. Do we need another one in a year from now? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of complexity to answering that question. And figuring that out is, is going to be, is going to require some teaching. More on how to better train students and improve the medical education curriculum coming up on Radio Rounds. Welcome to Radio Rounds. Today we'll hear from Dr. David Roberts, a pulmonologist at the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, and among his many titles, an associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and director of a longitudinal third-year clerkship called the Principal Clinical Experience. This program puts Dr. Roberts in close contact with medical students on a regular basis. We sat down at the Association of American Medical Colleges, their national convention in San Francisco, California, to discuss the shifting medical education paradigm and unique aspects of his principal clinical experience curriculum. It's a very interesting approach to the third year. When we were faced with modern healthcare, which is that patients come in and out of the hospital very quickly, and within a big system like ours where students can rotate through all the different hospitals, there are real pluses and minuses to that. It's very hard. It's very different than what I experienced where I might, when I was a third-year med student now close to 15, 20 years ago, I followed a certain patient for a long time and patients stayed in the hospital for a long time and I got to see the evolution of those illnesses. I had relationships with faculty uh, that, that lasted quite a long time. Now, we have faculty who rotate very quickly. We have patients who come in and out of the hospital very quickly. And so we decided to try to say, let's have students spend an entire year at one institution and make sure that they get longitudinal mentoring, longitudinal clinical experiences, longitudinal interactions uh, with, with patients, with families, with, uh, with clinicians. It's critical for students to be able to see that basic science and integrate it and think about the physiology. But I think it's, it's difficult because in a lot of cases it seems like the, the kind of multiple choice questions that we get on whether it's boards or tests or whatever frequently do ask kind of you to, they ask you to jump to the diagnosis. So how do you feel like that mentality is, is growing in students because of the test taking? You know, I, I think you're raising one of the most challenging issues in medical education today, which is not do we want our students to graduate knowing things or knowing how to think? 
or knowing how to know things, right? So if you graduated from medical school in 1975 and then you were a practicing physician in 1981 when HIV and AIDS uh, first became recognized, you hadn't learned about that. And so you needed to apply what you had learned in immunology to, to uh, understanding a new disorder. And there will always be new things and that we will have to struggle with. So I think the reality is that we need to train our students to think. You will, because of technology, you will have in the palm of your hand through a smartphone or a tablet device or an access to a computer close at hand when you're on the wards, you will have access to more information than I will have ever learned or, and or forgotten. So if I ask you as a medical student a question which is, tell me the 14 causes of this, you can look that up faster than I can forget. And if I ask you instead, help me understand why it might be that giraffes don't form lower extremity edema, meaning swelling in their legs, even though their heart is really high above their legs and the pressure that the veins are under in their legs is quite high, you could kind of, you you'd sort of have to come up, well, maybe let me see if I can think about this reason through it and, and come up with some mechanisms. So one of the things that we're, we're in the midst of uh, a curriculum reform, we're, we're thinking about our curriculum as we go forward, and we're trying to decide should we have a specific curriculum to teach people to think? So what about biases in how you make decisions? What about, what are things like, how do you think about your thinking, a mm -hmm. concept called metacognition? Do you prepare for just answering multiple choice questions? That's not going to help you. If, if you do that, that's not going to help you much in the future. And I think a great example of that um, going on recently is this whole contaminated steroids leading to these uh, epidural abscesses and all of this. It's, it's something where I, the headlines that I keep seeing are, we don't know how to tell if this is what's going on. And I think it's just an, one of the most recent examples of something new that people who weren't expecting to have to deal with that are suddenly seeing at a rate that they need to be aware of it and, and, and be able to manage it and diagnose it and, and move forward and help these people. And when they don't, there's, you know, drastic consequences and again it's this idea that you need to learn how to think and not just how to be able to identify some some things on a, on a multiple choice test related to that I, I i think one of the most difficult things for medical students to handle and to deal with is this concept of uncertainty you're used to the way we teach is by what is known what is normal what is abnormal Unfortunately, most patients don't read the textbooks, right? They don't, they don't show up always in the exact same way. And, you know, the classic rusty sputum of strep, of pneumococcal pneumonia. They may, but they may not. And I think one of the difficult things to teach is how do you reason through something where you're not sure? And there's this famous saying, you know, uncertainty are the waters in which we swim. That's just, that's just what we have to do. And when a patient says, doc, what should I do? Should I, do you think I need that CAT scan? Do you think I need another CAT scan? We followed this pulmonary nodule, let's say, for the last six months. Do we need another one in a year from now? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of complexity to answering that question. And figuring that out is, is going to be, is going to require some teaching. The, the, the simple truth is that 
medical knowledge is expanding truly exponentially or perhaps beyond exponentially such that you could never know it all. If you read every paper in the medical literature, by the time you finished doing that, there would be so many more papers you couldn't catch <laughs> up. So I, I think the reality is we, we have to deal with that knowledge explosion. Now, similarly, what that means is that you cannot graduate from medical school thinking that you know everything. You have to graduate with some way to think so that you can become a truly lifelong learner. And this is one of the biggest challenges that I face in one of my other roles as uh, training physicians to be better teachers. I need to take all those physicians who learned genetics in the way I did and teach them about genetics in the way you're learning it today. So we are actually starting to use technology. You've probably heard the term of the flipped classroom. So basically taking um, some technology like a, uh, an electronic whiteboard or a tablet computer and creating a little teaching video and putting that out there for people to watch, maybe 10, 15 minutes about how to think about new changes in genetics just so that they have some framework of this. And Dr. Roberts, uh you know, we like to ask all of our other physicians we have on the show if uh, if they have a particular patient story that kind of uh, that they learn from or that inspires them. Uh, do you have a story that you'd like to share with us? Well, I would say first, generally, um, one of the most amazing things about being a physician is that you get to walk into a room and meet someone who you maybe have never met before. Or maybe you do have a relationship with them. And they often tell you the most intimate details of their lives. And sometimes I find they're struggling with an issue in their own life. And they tell me, you know, in a doc, I really was working hard on this. And and what they sometimes share is how they overcame some difficult thing. And what's amazing is that I will find resonance with things within my own life and learn from my patients. I I don't say, you know, boy, thanks, you know, I was struggling with that same issue. But I I feel like we we get to meet so many amazing people. And uh, one specific sort of story about this is that I I met a a gentleman who had been a former smoker, and like many of my patients, and he had really bad uh, emphysema. And he he came to the the office and he said, you know, I, I really want to get better. I, I, I want to figure out how I can get better. And over a course of years, he um, pretty dramatically improved. He, uh, he went through outpatient pulmonary rehab. He got on some good medications. He started exercising. And he was so grateful for that newfound ability. And he did all sorts of useful things in his life. He spent time with his family and he was a grandfather. And and his graciousness and his ability to say thank you has always stuck with me. I, I, I feel like that is my job to translate you know, the elastic recoil properties of the lung or the VQ mismatch into making somebody's lives better. Well, you know, we, we've certainly talked about a, a broad range of topics today, ranging from uh, just the, the idea of how technology is playing a role in medical education to um, some of your own work with, the, with Harvard medical students. I want to ask you one final question as we kind of close up the interview. Do you have any advice for students out there? I know you've given a lot of great advice as it is, but just advice in a general sense for students out there who are kind of listening to the show and thinking, what can I do to be 
just a great clinician. It's a, a fantastic question, and I, I think um, I can only say that, that the most important thing, the thing which has helped me the most, is to remain curious and remain open. Or open to learning and open to being wrong and open to saying, gosh, you know, I didn't know that. And being curious enough to say, you know, I, I want to know you. I want to know you as a patient. I want to know you as a teacher. I want to understand what what drives this. And curiosity is something that I, I think can be enhanced. I really believe it. I think it's like other skills, like critical thinking skills, like having this sort of sense of systematic skepticism that you're a medical student and they say, I want you to admit this patient. You should say, don't tell me anything about them other than what's their chief complaint, and I'm going to start from there. I'm going to start from truly trying to figure this out and build my skills because that's when you're a clinician, there are only a few things that really help you. Being kind, being humble, being patient, being open, being curious, and and that's what that's what caring is about. Uh, caring is all about. I mean, the root of the word curiosity is cura, is Latin. It means to care. And I think you can't be a really good clinician without caring, and without being curious, and without wanting to know what it's like to walk a mile in the shoes of of, of a patient. That's that's really, and to wanting to know, like, gosh, you know, why is you know, that person so short of breath. Why is that person having chest pain? Not what's the diagnosis, but the why and the how, rather than the what and the when. That was Dr. David Roberts, director of the Principal Clinical Experience and associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, speaking about the changing medical education curriculum. To hear more from other Radio Rounds medical correspondents about issues facing medical students, please visit our website at www.radiorounds.org. In the meantime, you can download podcasts of all past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit our website at www.radiorounds.org. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All of that information at radiorounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage, providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at medplusadvantage.com. Radio Rounds is also proudly partnered with the Student Doctor Network, online at studentdoctor.net. Find answers to your questions about medical school and residency programs and get those answers quickly in our online forums. It's fast, easy, and available now at studentdoctor.net. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds. Thanks so much, everybody. From Boston, this is Lakshman Swami for Radio Rounds. Radio Rounds.